It's always a great privilege uh, to have the opportunity to speak. You know, uh, no matter what kind of a speaker we are, we are really blessed that we have awesome material. Um, basically, I didn't write the material, uh, but somebody very, very amazing did. And uh, so, you know, we don't have to try and be so amazing. We just have to use good material. And when you have good material, it works, right? Yeah. You ever seen a movie with a lousy script? Yeah. It's, you know, you, you watch the movie, it's like, wow, this really sucks. <laughs> you know? And yet, when you have something that has an engaging direction and script, it's really captivating. And I'll share a couple of things I saw recently, which I would recommend to you uh, as we get along. So, you know, our theme scripture for the year is, is uh, Mark 12, loving God with all our heart, mind, strength, and soul, and also loving our neighbours um, as ourselves and it's a really I think encouraging for us to really think about this and I, I don't know about you I've been a Christian I think about 25 years now 24 years maybe something like that uh, and um, I realized that you know I've really still got a lot of growing to do uh, because I, I, I haven't nailed this yet um, loving God with all my heart all my soul, all my mind, all my strength. I have a long way to go. Um, and do I really love people as much as I love myself? Yeah. I think we all have a way to go. We've been really blessed that we have the opportunity to, to think uh, this year about the Sermon on the Mount. And particularly in January, we've been focusing very much on the Beatitudes. And uh, you see the Beatitudes here, and we've been... Really, I, I think, getting a lot from this, uh, our study of it, and, and I don't know about you, but I found it also quite challenging uh, to remind myself of the heart of worship, as somebody put it earlier in Anna. Um, and I, I think that we, all of us, can really understand that, well, you know, what is this heart that we need to capture? And it's interesting, our theme scripture today is about the heart. Um, but... I believe that, you know, I love this slide because I know the light is too bright in here. You can't really see the slides very well. But you see that the love is a set of building blocks. And that really reflects, I think, the love that we are trying to engage with and trying to capture and trying to reflect and shine out to the rest of the world. And it takes, it is a building block. You know, we are, as a church and as individual Christians, uh, and as people that may not have uh, a, a close relationship with God yet, you know, your, your life is being built, your character is being built, your journey is a series of building blocks. And sometimes they will stumble and fall down and you have to rebuild them. And I think the essence of the Beatitudes <clears throat> is trying to capture the spirit or the heart of, of what it takes to to really be able to learn to love in that free and special way, uh, which is beyond what we normally would experience. Because let's, let's be honest, <clears throat> everyone loves to some degree in a selfish way. Mm -hmm. we, we often love because we want to get something back from that love. But Jesus' love is, you know, love someone, they can hate you and mistreat you, love them anyway. Yeah. Pretty tough. Yeah. 
the thing that I really want to also highlight, and we, we've talked about this a lot, you know, the, the idea of just being blessed. The word in English doesn't really, as we know, fully capture the spirit of what it means. It means incredible fortune. It means, I think probably a better way of putting it is, oh, the blessedness of having a poor, or being poor in spirit. Oh, the blessedness of being merciful. You know, I think and what it means is that there's a, a sort of illogical, unreasonable, beyond, you know, the circumstances kind of sense of peace and well-being and happiness and joy that you can express and reflect to the world, which doesn't entirely depend on your circumstances. Now, I don't want to stand up here and pretend that circumstances don't matter, you know, and to say that we can feel joyful no matter what the circumstances is a hard ask if we're really honest, even as a Christian, right? We have to be real as Christians, not just to say, oh yeah, we have to tick this box and let's, let's be this person, and deep down, we're really not. In order for us to really capture the spirit, I think the Beatitudes tell us that we are, we all fall so far short. It's, it would be blessed to have that spirit, that pouring of spirit, where we really see our sin every day, all the time, and really understand our need for God. And I do capture that spirit sometimes, but I can't say it's 24 hours, 24 seven, right? Um, do I mourn about my sin? Well, yeah, when I'm feeling broken about it, but not all the time, sometimes I'm blind to it. Am I meek in the way Jesus is meek? I try to be, I strive to be, but you know, my kids and my family tell me often I'm not. I'm often told I'm arrogant, I'm not listening. I think I do hunger and thirst for righteousness in the sense that I do hunger and thirst to be a better person, uh, to try and capture the spirit that God wants us to capture. Um, but you know, what is my heart behind it? Is it just because I want better recognition? I want to be seen as a better person? Am I trying to impress people? Um, or do I really feel I want to do this because I love God? And mercy, I guess, is, is an easier one in the sense that I think many of us have a merciful spirit, but I don't always feel that merciful towards my wife when we're having an argument or I feel wronged. Um, and that certainly is a hard calling. But today we're, we're focusing on this scripture, Matthew 5 verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. So, let me ask you a few questions, just for fun. I'm going to talk a little bit about the heart. How... How many people can tell me how big a, a human heart is in an adult, roughly? Size of a fist, all right, I'm just there, right, okay. Do you know how many times your heart will beat per day, roughly? Any guesses? Throw a hand up and shout something out. 60,000? Any, any increase on 60? 100,000, someone say? Yeah. 5,000? 5,000. 5, 5,000. 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, 5, okay, 
How many gallons of blood does your heart pump every day? Gallons. A gallon, right? Okay. How much is a gallon in litres? Four point. Okay, so how many litres? Well, gallons will be this times four. And six. Okay, that's, that's a little high. It's 2,000 gallons of blood. Those of who are older, we understand gallons because that's how we used to work in gallons. Yeah. 10,000 litres, okay. Did you know that the heart can continue to beat even when it's disconnected from the body? Anyone know which animal has the smallest heart? Yeah. The, smallest, the, he, the fairy fly. It's an insect. Okay. Has the smallest heart. It's a kind of wasp. It figures out. Doesn't make sense that wasps don't have much of a heart, do they? Especially when you get stuck by one. Um, what about the smallest mammal? Yeah, okay, the American, actually the American pygmy shrew is the smallest mammal and it, it has the fastest heartbeat. Anyone know how many beats per minute? 1,200. Okay, 1,200 beats per minute. That's like... <laughs> 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 and which animal has the biggest heart? A whale. A whale, yeah, okay, a mammal. Did you know... Right. <laughs> What's unusual about a giraffe's heart? It's it's actually lopsided. It has one side much bigger than the other because it has to pump the blood up to the top of the head, right? So it's an unusual shape. Any idea what day of the week most heart attacks happen on? Monday, correct. <laughs> Any idea which day of the year most heart attacks happen on? <laughs> Christmas Day. <laughs> That's a sad fact. Now, the next fact will surprise you. I won't ask you the question, but I'll just show it to you. So men have bigger hearts than women. Yeah. <laughs> that, that doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? I don't think it's, I know many men with a bigger heart than women. My wife certainly has a much bigger heart, metaphorically speaking, than I do. But women's hearts do beat a little bit faster than men's hearts, so you know, that's, that's interesting. Okay. Um, do you know how many miles your circulatory system would cover if you stretched out all your blood vessels? 60,000 miles. 60,000 miles. That's twice around the world. What, what activity can we do that reduces stress, it's good for your heart, and boost your immune system. Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh. Laughter is really good for your heart. Amen. 
Okay, enough of the uh, fun facts. Back to the message. Yeah, I, I was really, I feel in some ways this is kind of God working because when Malcolm asked me to, to do this Sunday and this was the scripture, it was like, oh, wow, that's amazing because I've been really having this on my heart, my mind, and my heart in, in you know, recent uh, months, actually, about our heart and the heart of, you know, really a Christian. You know, the, the thing, the challenging thing is, you know, when we look at Proverbs 20, verse 9, it says very clearly, you know, who can, sitting here, can say, I have a pure heart? I mean, how many people have a pure heart in here? Maybe uh, Aubrey. <laughs> maybe. Maybe not quite, but maybe she's got some impure motives, you know. I know if I cry loud enough, I'm going to get this. She's already learned that, I think. Um, but, you know, what's interesting is the thing about none of us can actually claim to have a pure heart. This is actually an unreachable goal. Mm. It's not something we can achieve in our lifetime because no matter what we are, how good we are, you know, maybe even Mother Teresa was not 100% pure, but she was probably 99.9. <laughs> Only Jesus was 100, but, uh, but she was pretty close, I guess, or people like her who have, who have given so much uh, of their lives. But uh, I, I don't know. It, it, but it's important. God sees it's important. In, in 1 Samuel, you know, God says, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So what we have to recognize is this is an important fundamental aspect of our Christian lives. You know, God is looking at us. In some scriptures it talks about, you know, our our, our hearts, he looks at us and judges our hearts, in the sense he judges our hearts and, you know, and uh, wants to see the inside of us and know that in the inside, it's not just, you know, a Christian walk for show. Don't live for show, it's, it's real. And I think that's really important. I mean, I know for myself, you know, we are very guilty as, as human beings of making judgments on appearance, right? I mean, yeah. you know, you look at someone, if they look a certain way, you make a, you know you make a judgment of them. Yeah. You know, irrespective of not even knowing them, but you make a judgment. You know, and in, uh, you know, as a as human race, we've been guilty of making judgments on you know color of our skin, the, what mm. kind of appearance you have, whether you have any you know malformations or anything like that, or disabilities, uh, you know, your orientation sexually, or all these things. We make a judgment on people, right? Yeah. And it's a very common thing. Whereas Jesus, you know, and the Bible teaches us not to make those judgments, but really just to love people as ourselves and mm. let God move their hearts and change their hearts to come to him. It's not our job to, to make people good enough for God. Yeah. It's our job to, uh, to sh reflect God, to shine his love and his, his beauty to people, to demonstrate that and to demonstrate our changed lives. You know, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. You know, as high as the heavens are above the earth, my ways are higher than your ways. You know, we cannot ever fathom God fully. And that's why Jesus had to come. And that's the amazing thing, that Jesus came so that we could actually see God in human forms, that we could, we could connect with that. We can, we can understand it. We, it relate, we can relate to it. And somehow we can, it brings it more attainable 
you know, okay, God looks like this if it was me, if it was a human being. It, it, this is what God would look like. Because to imagine God as, a, as a, some kind of, you know, ethereal being in, in, in the heavens is pretty much, you know, brain-hurting activity. Because, you know, you, you, when you start thinking about the universe and the size of the universe and all the stars and galaxies, and, and when you start thinking about that, it, it really starts to hurt one's brain because yeah. it's just beyond understanding. Amen. But, you know, when we think about our ways rather than God's ways, and I won't say our ways, let me say my ways. You know, my ways are selfishness often, right? Maybe some of you can connect with that. But the Christian way is selflessness. We can often be guilty of talking the talk, you know, and it being for show, saying the right things. But the Christian way is to be sincere and have integrity, spiritual integrity. All of us, I think, are guilty when it comes to idolatry. Mm. You know, God says all our heart. It's oh, a tough one. Yeah. But can't I just also love this as much? You know, or this person or this career path, or this ambition, or this fast car. <laughs> Talking about my own guilt. Um, or Manchester United. Not that I support them. I'm sorry, I suppose. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sad Arsenal supporter, anyway. <laughs> or my ways, one of my ways was to become a religious expert. Like, like the Pharisees, I guess. And I remember in my early days having conversations with people um, that I was reaching out to. And really, my, my goal was to prove them wrong. And in fact, I knew these scriptures, I could prove them wrong. I wasn't really thinking about their salvation or, or loving them. I just wanted to show how clever I was, that I could out-argue them. I remember meeting, we went to a party once, we were Paul and Mary Bowes many years ago, and uh, I got engaged with a speaker with, uh, in a conversation with the vicar. And it, I, I, it was like a tennis match of, you know, I know this better than you, let me, let me try and prove you wrong. Now, now I look back on that, it was many years ago, I don't know, 20 years ago, but uh, I think, in horror, what kind of person was I? I was a Pharisee, not walking the walk, not loving not having a pure heart, but my motivation was to, you know, let me fix you. Let me fix you because I know better than you. No, we are blessed to have the knowledge, some knowledge at least, depending on our maturity and so on, of Christ and of, of the scriptures and, and the relationship with God. And that is a great blessing, but it doesn't make us better than anyone else. You know, we can think of a couple of passages, for example, uh, one I, I shared before Christmas, um, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which I, I love this passage, it really touches me deeply. But you know, it starts by saying, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. And we, you know, we can be guilty of that when we become religious, that we can be confident of our own righteousness, that you know, I'm right, you're wrong, you know, because I'm a Christian and I know the, the scriptures better than you do. You know? And that, that is, is so, damaging, I think. And also, it's just not what God wants. You know, 
Jesus blows that out of the water. He, you know, he, he says, you know, it's, it's not the Pharisee who's going to be saved. You know, it, I, I, it's, the, it's, the, it's the sinner. It's the one that you look down on that actually has a purer heart. The Pharisee, you may know all the right things to say and do, but you have a heart that's impure. He talks to the Pharisees in Luke chapter 11. A Pharisee invited him to eat with him. He went in and reclined at the table, but the Pharisee was surprised when he noticed that Jesus did not first wash, ceremonially wash, because the Pharisees in the Jewish tradition was to carry out the ceremonial washing, you know, with all sorts of bells and whistles, uh, before you ate, because it was supposed to be the way. And he was surprised that Jesus wasn't doing that. You know, the Pharisee was judging him according to the rules, all right, or what he saw as the rules. The Lord said to him, now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside, no, sorry, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, do not the one who made the outside make the inside also? And now, as for what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice. You neglect the love of God. You should practice the latter, uh, the latter without having the former undone. You know, the danger of us when we become Christians, and I was very guilty of this myself, is that we become pharisaical. And as a church we can become that. And I think, you know, there are times when the history of Many churches, our own church as well, has become pharisaical. You know, it, it, following the rules to get into the club has become more important than Jesus and reflecting God's love, you know, overall. And judgment, I believe, is it's really contrary to what Jesus wants for us. Um, this scripture is particularly challenging, isn't it? Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen or hear you. You know, the challenge for us is not that I have to prove my point, I have to win. It's like I have to speak what is helpful to the other person. You know, and, and as peacemakers, you know, and the best way to test this out is in your marriage is are you saying what's helpful to your spouse that's going to build that person up or are you putting them down you know, how often do we put down our, our spouses, our kids with a word or a, a look in a way which is not encouraging and we, we all just do that so easily and we don't even notice it yet do we have a spirit that Every word that comes out of my mouth is going to be in order to build you up, to benefit you according to your needs, not my needs. It's, it's contrary to society teaches us today. Because to society, society today tells us you need to meet your needs. You have the right to have your needs met. You have the right to be who you are and do what you want. And you know, if we're honest, that's why this world today is in such a mess that everyone is so self-focused, narcissistic, and not compassionate. Not everyone, of course, people, there are people who are, but we see it as a trend. And maybe, you know, we need to call ourselves back to do 
different. His ways are love. You know, very simply, his way is love. Jesus says, you know, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. That way all men will see that you are my disciples. He says, you know, when he talks in John 15, he says, look, love one another. He says again, again. He says the most important commandment is loving God and others. There is nothing else. Peter says, you know, it's all about love. It's, many scriptures talk about this. Can you think of any biblical examples of people that have demonstrated pureness of heart? What are the people that stand out for you? Obviously Jesus, okay. But there are other people that have pureness of heart. Anna. David, okay? Even though he wasn't perfect, you know, he had a pureness of heart, he saw his, his own poverty of spirit, mourned it, broken. Anyone else? Any other examples that come to mind? I think of Mary and Martha. Mary, in her devotion to Jesus, mm -hmm. Martha was maybe more concerned about that she getting everything right and how will she appear. Yeah. Mary was more like, I just want to be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. about anything else. Okay. <coughs> Priscilla and Aquila. Priscilla and Aquila. Yeah. Explain. Explain. Enoch. He walked with God. Yeah, Enoch. Right. Enoch. Yeah. And he was he was walked so well with God that God decided, right, you can come to heaven now. Come on. <laughs> so you, 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 dude, you're great. Come on. You're in. Now. <laughs> Not many of us manage that. Only one person in history, right? <laughs> so that must have been an unusual guy. Anyone else? Any other examples that touch your heart? Yes. Moses, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we get a sense then that it's not about being perfect all the time. It's about having a heart to recognize that we are when, you know, it's, it's a heart to be able to repent, really, essentially. It's do we have a pureness of heart that we can recognize, actually, you know what? messed up. I need to go back and really make that right. Maybe that's a bit more about it. Let me recommend to you a couple of shows. Uh, this is a, both of these are on, uh, um, I think Broken is on a, a Amazon uh, and The Two Popes is a movie that just came out recently on Netflix that uh, I saw and I really got touched by this and if you haven't had a chance to see them, uh, particularly the series Broken, I want to recommend it. It's about a Catholic priest uh, working up uh, in uh, the north of England in a, in a small town, a very deprived town with you know, um, a lot of poverty and uh, people uh, very vulnerable. And his journey as a Catholic priest had a, a difficult upbringing, having been abused uh, as a young child, and, uh, and then trying to reconcile that with the fact that now he was a Christian but he didn't feel worthy because he felt he was a sinner, that somehow he, he'd been responsible for being abused uh, by another priest. And um, I, I really recommend the show, it's incredibly touching, but you know, the thing that really comes across to me is, you know, even as a church we would have probably, back in the day, said, oh, Catholics are all wrong. You know, and we would probably still want to, some of us may still feel that argument. You know, I honestly tell you, I don't feel that anymore with any church. I just think, look, you know what? They love God. You know, we are nowhere a perfect church. No one is. But they love God. If you love God and you have a heart that you want to love people, that's what matters. You know, ticking the boxes and following the rules, 
I don't subscribe to that. That may be her heresy, and some of you may feel that's completely wrong, but I don't subscribe to that opinion anymore. I just want to be honest, after 25 years of walking the walk, I don't believe that's the case. I think you know we have to get out of this mold, we have to love people, we have to embrace others that love God, no matter how. And you know, one way doesn't fit everybody. And if loving God is what it's all about, that's what really matters. My opinion. Not establishing a doctrine here. Um, but yeah, you know, the thing that really touched me, particularly in the, in the series Broken, is just how this guy really loved people. And he did so much. And it's such a touching scene at the end of the, movie, uh, end of the series that, you know, I cried in. Um, and, uh, and I would guess it's very difficult not to because it's very touching. I want to spoil it for you because I really recommend you, you just, you know, download it. It's probably on BBC iPlayer or something like that as well. Um, and the other film was The Two Popes. And The Two Popes, I don't know, is, is a, a story based on the recent Pope Benedict and, and, and uh, the uh, Pope... Oh, I've forgotten the name of the next one. Hmm? Francis. Francis, that came after him. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, the difference is Benedict being very uh, conservative, a really hard line. And one of the lines in that was that, you know, what you've done is, and they, they have a different viewpoint, you know, uh, Francis is much more liberal, he wants to, wants to change things, he wants to connect with people in today. And, and, and there's a discussion where they're talking about, well, you know, what, what you're doing is just building walls between the church and people. And that's not what Jesus did. He didn't build any walls. So I recommend both those. Uh, the two folks, fantastic films, really well directed and, direct, and the performances are outstanding. Both uh, Anthony Hopkins and, um, um, uh, who is it? Jonathan Price. Jonathan Price is outstanding. He's got a, a best uh, Oscar nomination, best actor. Uh, Anthony Hopkins got the Sporting Actor nomination, and the film is excellent. It's on Netflix, so you know, get a chance. The thing is that we can pray about this. We can reach out to God, and you know, we have some great examples. Somebody mentioned David. He says, "Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit in me." And that there is a quality to being steadfastness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that is important when we come into having a pure heart. The steadfastness of Really just pushing through those challenging times when we mess up, when we have impure motives, but recognising, you know what, let me come back to God, let me get this right. I want to tell you, in my marriage particularly, what has been really helpful is, is, is you know, living as a Christian. Uh, I would be sure that if I wasn't Christian today, that Joan and I would be divorced. And unfortunately, Joan is not here because uh, she's helping Roxy uh, out today. Um, Roxy's doing a wedding fair for her cake business and it's the first wedding fair so pray that she does well and she sells lots of cakes please and, uh, and her business is a big success but um, but you know I, I'm sure that if, if we I had not become or we had not become Christians and, and really uh, you know embrace that um, that we would not be together today you know we would be just another divorce statistic um, and, I, and the reason is that and I can't talk about Joan, I only talk about myself, that I, you know, coming to God and understanding that there is someone higher has helped me to recognise that, you know, it's, even if we mess up and I feel very strongly that I'm right and she's wrong and we've got an argument going on, it's not okay just to leave it there. I need to reconcile it. And it yeah. needs to be okay because I have responsibility to be, reflect God's love. 
Mm -hmm. And that means that even if there's people that wrong me, or, or I feel I've wronged me, even though I might be completely wrong, not for them, um, <laughs> but if I'm honest, probably. Um, the, but, you know, I, I need to just come back and say, you know what, I, I love you, therefore it doesn't matter. You know, and I need to, I need to make this okay. Uh, and I, you know, I, for me it's been a real help uh, just knowing that there have been times, you know, in, uh, we've been married like 30, how many years, 34 years? 35 years, I mean. Um, um, 1984, it'll be 36 years this year, right? So, a long time. I'm pretty old. And, uh, <laughs> And my suit. I'm 61 in a couple of months. I can't believe it. How's it going? Um, but uh, yeah, thank you. Sure, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Keep saying this thing. It makes me feel better. I need it. I need it. Um, but you know, the thing is that just to, to recognise that you know, there have been times when I thought, yeah, oh gosh, when you're in that in the middle of that feeling that you just want to go. Oh, Right, I'm, you know, I want to walk away from this. It's just, this is just so irritating. Mm -hmm. And if we, if anyone here hasn't been married for more than ten years, it yeah. doesn't felt that in the moment. <laughs> you're lying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I wish we never got the oh, you know, in the heat of the moment. But then you, you stop and you think, you know, that's not okay. You know, I may feel hurt, and maybe, you know, words have been said that are hurtful, and we do do that in marriage. Weird that, you know, the closest relationship is one of the most nasty. Um, but it's not okay. And I love this scripture in Psalm 139. And I used to pray this. I, I prayed this scripture every day for a year, actually, a couple of years ago. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I don't know, I recommend it if you have the opportunity just to pray that prayer every day for a while. It, it really helped me to become, you know, I think more connected with uh, the Spirit of God, my sister, uh, and the Holy Spirit. So, Let's move on to the second part of that scripture in the last few minutes, and it's shorter, shorter bit. The heart, I think, is really the heart of the matter, right? For they will see God. What does that, you know, what does that mean? It, okay, it means we get to go to heaven, maybe? But, you know, it says, you see, the thing is that you mustn't, I think the challenge for us is not to see the Beatitudes as a series of commands which we often make the mistake of doing. Mm. Oh, I've got to be in this, I've got to do this, I've got to do it. Otherwise I don't get to see God. I don't get to heaven. It says, oh, the blessedness of when you have this heart. You know, it is a blessing. It isn't mandatory. It's not conditional, right? And, you know, I heard sermons, I hear preaching, and even some of the notes that, you know, we sometimes forget and see and read. Sometimes it implies it's, 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 this is a conditional. You, you've got to do this to be a Christian, okay? No, it's just saying, look, it, you're blessed if you do it because it, you capture something special. You're able then to be in a place of peace that you, your spirit can be you know, more connected with God more easily because you're now becoming mature as a Christian. It's not, well... Because if I look at the list of the Beatitudes, I've failed in every one, you know. 
or I'm not maybe doing some pretty well, but others maybe not. But so if I see it that way, it's, it's kind of hopeless, right? But it isn't saying that. You know, Jesus is saying, well, you must do this, otherwise you don't get in. You must do this, but you don't get in. Otherwise, why would, he, why would the, you know, the thief on the cross get in? Why would the prostitute get in? Rahab, you know, why would, why would all these people, why would David get in? Because he murdered someone. You know, why? Because of the pureness of heart that he was able to recognize and sin and repent, he sin and repent and have a heart to love God and to love people. And maybe not perfectly. But I think, you know, obviously we see God in Jesus. You know, the Bible talks about Jesus being the exact representation of his being. It talks about him being the embodiment of, you know, of God and, and, and you know, reflecting God's glory on this earth. Of course, we can see God in Jesus when we get to see Jesus. And that's why Jesus says, look, you know, I am the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because none of you can ever achieve it on your own because you're not ever going to be a perfect 10. You know, like in the Olympics. You're only ever going to get to a 9.5. You never get a perfect 10, even though some people in the Olympics do. Mm -hmm. You know, that's different. This is life. We're never perfect in life, right? Because we always mess up at least one time. A day. <laughs> An hour. Every five minutes. Um, if you really know me, you know my father as well. From now on you do know him and you have seen him. You will see God when you see Jesus. When you get to know Jesus, you see God. And I love the fact that Jesus says, you know, come to me, all of you, you know, who are wearing burden. Does anyone ever feel burdened? Yeah. Yeah. Like 90% of the time, right? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and I love this part. And I put it in italics to emphasize it. And learn from me. You know, the thing is, it's not just about reading the Bible, looking at Jesus' life, and living, but learn from Jesus. You know, learn from him. For he is gentle, and we know that gentle is, is the same word as used as meek in the Beatitudes, the same word in Greek, and humble in heart. And that's kind of what meek means and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, for God, it's, it's easy. He can deal with this. He handled it. He went to the cross, took all the sin of all the people forever, from beginning of time to the future, whenever time ends, took it all on the way, dealt with it, beat it, came back and said, right, victorious, you're fine now. You are pure in heart. Even though you're not, you are pure in heart. Because... I took care of it. And that's the wonderful thing about the Christian message. It's not a promise. Now, that doesn't mean we carry on and be, you know, total nasty people the rest of our lives and treat people because, you know, Jesus has, has paid the price. You know, I don't know, theoretically, what would happen if you did that and you repented at one point and then, you know, I, I'm not sure you would have a very difficult conversation, I think, with God when you got to heaven. Mm. But, at least, you know, the point is that that pureness of heart guides us to desire to become different, to change. And that's the point. We will see God also in each other as we see people change and people's acts of kindness and, and love 
is seeing God. When we see love, because you know God is love, we wouldn't experience the emotion of love if it were not for the fact of God, right? God made us in his image so that we could see him. God created mankind in his image, male and female, he created them. God made you, you are a piece of God, you know, in his image. So when we see each other, we see God. Do we look at people in that way? When we look at someone else, do we see God? Even the most downtrodden, you know, person that, you know, you, you, you just want to stay away from. Like, you know, the Samaritan running and the Levi, Levi walking on the other side of the road. Whereas a good Samaritan, you know, goes and helps the guy. You know, let's be honest. We have, in our lifetime, sometimes seen or met someone that we just want to stay clear of. Right? And some people are pretty horrible people, let's be honest, okay? It's really challenging to think, though, that somewhere in there is, is God. <laughs> because God made that person in his image. In the root, it's lying there dormant, perhaps, it's being overgrown by Satan, but somehow it's possible sometimes to bring it out. We see God in each other and in ourselves. As we experience our Christian journey, as we go along on our journey, we are able to start to see God as we change. You know, I was talking last year a lot about the idea of transformation, of being on this journey of change and, and future. But just really recognizing that, you know, what counts is this new creation. You know, nothing else counts but the new creation, that we are continually being made new. That our old self is gone and we are putting on a new self. That's a deliberate choice. It's not that somehow we become the new self. We put it on, we like we clothe ourselves, we, we decide, okay, that's how my na nature wants to act, but I'm going to choose to act differently because I want to love people. And therefore, instead of responding the way I would have responded, I'm now going to respond in a different way because I believe that's the calling that I'm embracing, that I want to reflect Jesus. And the fact that we're being re renewed in the knowledge of, his, of the image of the Creator, the knowledge of Christ, okay? Because the knowledge of Christ, when we know Him, helps us to make those choices, to say no to the old and yes to the new. You know, the fact that I, I no longer, you know, I've been crucified with Christ and I am no longer the the one who lives, that Christ lives in me. And when we start to believe that and, and understand that and, and see that, it helps us. And that, you know, when I'm in my dispute with my wife, maybe, you know, that's what helps me to sort of come back, is to recognize that, you know, actually, Christ is in me, you know, this is not Christ, this is the old self. Let me bring that back um, and live uh, in, in faith. And it takes a real leap of faith sometimes to do that. And finally, you know, uh, Paul says in here, he says, look, you know, I thank God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The fact is that you are a work in progress. I am a work in progress. We are all works in progress and God is working on us, on our hearts, Amen. on our minds, on our souls and he is working on us and we will, that work will one day be complete. Mm. Let me see God.
So blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I hope that was helpful. Amen. Amen.